Right, so just let them sort. So we are continuing in the book of Proverbs, which we started last week, and we're going to do four weeks on the book of wisdom. And this this week we are entitling Looking for Wisdom. Looking for wisdom. Now, I'm loving the fact that so many people have now opened their Bibles. That's superb. You can be holding them for a little bit because uh, we're going to do a bit of an introduction. So I thought it would be good just to, Jess kicked us off last week with a bit of introduction, but I thought it would be good as well to dive a little bit deeper into um, Proverbs. Um, Proverbs is obviously is, uh, part of wisdom literature in the Bible. And when we come to a proverb, um, we normally see that it is um, kind of two phrases or clauses brought together, and both of them sort of enhance or modify what is being said. So here we've got righteousness guards, and they've contrasted it with wickedness overthrows. Okay, so we've got these two contrasting, and the key word here is integrity, because that is what they're contrasting with sinner. So if you live with integrity, this type of righteousness will guard you. But if you don't, then eventually it will overthrow you. We also see in the Proverbs metaphors, quite powerful similes. So here we've got one, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. This is what they're giving us a picture now. And we'll see this a lot in the Proverbs. Are So are the sluggards to those who send them. So the lazy. And we also see in the Proverbs a collection of general sayings. A bit like we might have in our culture. Like a bird in the hands. We have two in the bush. Something like that. Um, So we might see something like this. Better to be nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. So we could probably meditate on that and apply that to our own culture today about those that pretend to be a somebody and about image and about what you look like and you're presenting a certain thing, but at home you can't afford to put food on the table. So we've got some different things there. Uh, We also get life skills, smart ways to live, we might call them. Um, And we get instructions, bog standard, do not rob the poor, end of, don't do it. Um, And in all these things, we can consider it like a pattern. Um, When I read this word about considering the pattern, it made me um, think of uh, the Wheel of Time. I don't know if anyone's read that. I know Cy will have read it. (laughs) He's waded through 12 books. (laughs) But um, it's on TV at the moment on one of the one of the available streaming services, and uh, it talks about the pattern. And this idea that you, you flip over a rug and you see what's going on and look at it from different angles. <clears throat> and we see this pattern is laid down at the creation of the world, and in chapter 8 of Proverbs, we see how wisdom is used in creation. So wisdom lays the foundation, the DNA of everything that we see around us. And when we come to the Proverbs, we're invited, in a sense, to sit down at a table with the wise that have gone before us. 
We say, uh, some people say they're sleep or they're dormant until we bring them out and begin to look at them with our culture, our time, our circumstances, and to wrestle with what that means for us now. They're not a rule book, but I'd say more of an exercise book. They're not a, they're not a lecture, they're a seminar to so invited to discuss and wrestle. And they're part, of course, with the whole of the living word of God. They won't tell you what to do. And in fact, some might even appear contradictory. Here's one for you. They are observations sometimes of what people have seen at different times in different circumstances. They are looking from different angles and considering the pattern. It's like a diamond and you're looking at different facets of it or perhaps colors that you might have in a palette and some might blend together. You might choose different ones for different occasions. So here we have two that seem entirely contradictory. Now, which one is it? You need to wrestle with your circumstances, your situation, what is happening, and with the Holy Spirit to discern which one is right for now. Okay? This uh, theologian, is it going to go? Why does it stop? There we go. (laughs) Um, Michael Fox, he says, the Proverbs are like a pocket full of change. You need to pull and apply the right one to the right situation. So this is not going to be something you just pick it up, open it. Okay, that's what you do in every situation. Now, the book of Proverbs is thought to have been originally given to young men who were training for leadership and administration. And it did make me chuckle that what would happen if our leaders and administrators in our country who are going into government were trained in wisdom on their curriculum. Now, we laugh, but it was there not long ago, but it has been removed, interestingly. And so now we train them in economics and things like that, but wisdom, discernment. And in line with the use of the Torah within Jewish culture, it would have been done in relationship. This is not a go to your bedroom read all the books and decide the answer on your own and come out fighting your corner. I'm right, I know I'm right. But rather, it would have been a gathering. It's much more appropriate to think of Proverbs in the context of gathering your family, your mum, your dad, your aunties, great-aunt Bessie, maybe a sibling, a close friend, someone you respect, and to sit around to decide what to do. And this would have been very culturally appropriate, wouldn't it? If you think about cultures where they operate in family units, when they make a decision, they make a decision for the family, not for themselves. They don't sit on their own and think, right, what's best for me? But rather they gather the extended family and they discuss what is right for us as a family now. And in the book of Proverbs, we've got lots of them, and they are fronted by this chapter 1 to 9, which is, as Jess said, like a lengthy introduction. 
And we have imagery in this of the personification, that is the making it like a person, of wisdom. So we have two women that are presented. One is Lady Wise and one is Lady Folly. Two women being presented. They are personifying wisdom. And at the end of the Proverbs, we land on Proverbs 31. The woman who can acquire her. And she is worth more than jewels. And here we see this phrase repeated through Proverbs. We see here at the end, a a woman of noble character who can find she's worth far more than rubies. But we've also seen that in Proverbs 3, the personification of wisdom. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. And in Proverbs 8, for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Do you see how they've personified wisdom? Who can find her? We are instructed to look for wisdom, the most important thing that you can do. And as we see today, we are called to search. This is not something we just get. So wisdom, I don't think it actually works. I think they just give it me as a joke every week because it's just funny. (laughs) So hokmah, there's no K, okay? Just silent K for those. It's more than just morality. It is an attribute of God and one we can have. When we get it, it is described as pleasant to our souls. And we see that in today's chapter, pleasant to our souls. When we are in the rhythm and the pattern of hukmah, it's pleasant It's to our souls because our very souls have been created with wisdom. Do you see how they're aligning up? And Hukmah can be applied to every aspect of our lives, finance, crafting, banking, administration, integrity, right action. Remember, Solomon chose people with wisdom to craft the temple. We see wisdom being gained and used there. And interestingly, on a side note, the book of Ruth follows this book. So it doesn't in our Bibles, but originally. And what does Ruth demonstrate? What does Boaz demonstrate? Integrity, humility, fear of God. He looks after the poor. He demonstrates justice, kindness. Look at the man and the woman and how they just display hukmah, wisdom, just as a side note. And of course, we see wisdom in its purest form in Jesus, who embodies wisdom. He is, and he's described, I think I just do that. And someone doesn't. Talks about him as a child. And the child grew strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. At 12 years old, the Bible records, everyone who heard him was amazed and understood his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished at the wisdom that was in him. So we're going to stop, we're going to talk now. I have got some questions. 
And you can either talk to the person next to you, make a little group with the people behind you, or sit quietly on your own and reflect. I don't mind how you approach this. If you today are thinking, do you know, I'm hot, I've had a tough weekend, I don't want to talk to anyone, that is fine in this space. Just quietly put your head down, people will leave you alone. But if you are enthusiastic, can't wait to chat, look around. There'll be people smiling at you going, yes, I want to talk, okay? So here we go. I'm going to give you a bit of time. Those are your questions. Off you go. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to look at chapter two together. Off you go. Okay. Uh, Where in life have you observed communal rather than private wisdom seekers. How we see, do we see that in our culture anywhere? I mean, I think social media is quite a, a good example of that because you know, you've got a large group of people yeah. often seeking information about the same thing. Yeah. And, so you get you know, different opinions yeah. coming in. Maybe if they, someone starts a chat and they say, oh, isn't this terrible? And then you get different people going, no, it's great. And <laughs> exactly. Then there's a fight. Yeah. <laughs> Happens all the time in St. Benny's. Anyway. Uh, anyone else? Can you see? I think the main place I'd seen this is in church, like prayer meetings when you're seeking God for things or like in prayer um, duos or triplets. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we have got that within the church community, haven't we? And we certainly, as Rachel said, I'll speak for her, I said, like, in the, when the elders meeting to discuss and to talk, they're seeking wisdom together, not them gone into a room on their own and come out with their idea, but they're doing that in community. Okay, fun one. What do you think this means? <laughs> <laughs> Someone's just going, yeah, exactly. It's a great example, isn't it? Because you know, what are you can do with it? Sit on your own in your room, in your little locker, and go, well, I don't know, we'll just skip that one, shall we? Read on. Anybody got an idea? It doesn't matter if you're, there's no like, I, I will ask you, but I'm going to ask someone I haven't asked so far. And there is someone volunteering, so that's great. There you go. Do you want to have a go? Um, we thought it might be about if there are no evangelists, then you won't fill your manger with harvest, and oh. then you need the people to support them to disciple, and then you'll get your abundant harvest. I'm loving that answer. And look at that. I wouldn't have got there, I don't think, ever. That is a fantastic answer, isn't it? Does anyone else want to have a go? Look, let's just see what we've got in the room. Only about this, though. Anyone else feeling brave? Nobody wants to have a go. Oh, great. Have a go. Like I said, I'm not going to say, you're wrong. (laughs) Just saying, we're learning in community, aren't we? This is what it's about. Income generation. Oh, yeah. Invest your life wisely in things that will give a return. Okay. So use your money wisely. Use your money wisely, yeah. Because we've got the ox, we've got abundant harvest. Yeah. Maybe you could be investing in the ox. Investing in the ox, yeah. I listened uh, to someone talk about this uh, proverb, and they were saying uh, that they believed it was about um, where there's no ox, the manger is empty. As in, they were saying, they believed it was a little bit, this is another coming in at another direction, 
But like where the manger's empty, there's nothing to do. You've got quite a simple, straightforward life. You've got no ox, got no manger to clean, no poo to pick up. But if you have an ox, you've got all of that. You've got hard work, but you're going to have an abundant harvest. So they said, they thought it was a little bit about, you know, you can't, if you want to, want to, you know, eat, you've got to do some work to do it. So that's another kind of way of looking at it. But even as we did that, you could see how community added a different element and a depth to what a proverb and to wrestle with that proverb for now, this situation in this place. And so some people took it and said, for now, in my situation, in my place, what I'm thinking about, I can see that applying to missionaries. See what I mean? Or mission or outreach or something. I can see that. Okay, finally, in our current culture, where, do pe- where are people going for instructions on how to live well? Yep, so we've got Google. We love, a, we love a Google. Other search engines are available. So we might, on our own, look for people's advice, weigh it up on our own, and decide which one we want. Anything else? Again, social media. The self-help aisle at the local, I don't know, library or anywhere else, bookshop. Yeah. And and I think, as I think about it, self-help is exploding. Um, There is, uh, last year I went to a conference where Amy or Ewing was speaking and she was talking about the rise of, um, you may have, may not have heard of Angie Tate. And she was talking about her teenage boys and she was saying how they watch him because he knows what he thinks. And he tells them what to do. And I think that, you know, gives us, it's frightening, but it's a vacuum, isn't it? Where do you go for help? Where is someone actually going to tell you in a world that says you can do anything, be anyone, there's no rules? If you look at Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, bestseller, America, UK, Canada, chart topper, 12 rules, this is how to live, get off your backside, get a job, you know, this is basic stuff he's saying in his book, because there's a vacuum, and that's something for us to think about another time. So let's have a quick look at chapter two. <laughs> Sorry, that's quite a bit of a inch, wasn't it? <laughs> but I want us to think about wrestling with this because it's important, isn't it? Okay. So he begins chapter two, and we'll just do we'll do one to eight, I think. You can do the rest at home. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand and fear the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose way of life is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. So we're just going to do that. So let's have a little look. Oh, it's gone. (laughs) Where's my PowerPoint? Great. So where are we? We're not right, are we? We need to be at that one. There we go. So opening up, we're going to whiz through this. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands. So the storing up, I want to tell you, this is a picture of holding protectively and hiding your treasure. Okay, holding protectively and hiding your treasure. It almost gives the picture of hoarding up. Okay, I'm going to go quickly. Number two, turning your ear and applying your heart to understanding. So the turning is to incline towards. The root has the idea of pricking up your ears. Imagine a little rabbit. He's like, hmm? A rabbit can hear anything. I've got a rabbit, very skittish. Smallest thing. That's kind of the picture that we're getting here. To apply, it means to bend towards, to incline, to stretch out towards you get that picture now? We've got this hoarding, pricking, stretching. Three, call out for insight. It gives the idea of accosting to call out. Imagine you're coming to church and someone comes up to you rapidly, stretching out their hand. This is the image of to call out. And the insight is this idea of seeing things from different perspectives. It's the seeing the subtle shades, the multiple choices rather than a binary option. Not yes or no. It could be this, could be this, could be this, could be this. That's what we're asking for when we are going for insight. Okay? So if we call out for insight, we're interrupting. We want insight. We want the Lord to reveal What are the options? And there might be more than one we could choose, but we want to see all the different sides of the picture. For example, if we come to a work effort very strong, we don't want to be the sluggard, we know about the ant. But if you're working all the time, and this is to the expense of your family that you never see, then we would say, no, that's not wise. That's not a wise way to live, is it? And if you look for silver, verse 4, look for silver, and you search for it as hidden treasure, this gives the idea to beg or desire, or seek. And I've got to remind you of the parable of Jesus to seek for treasure. And when they find it, they go home rejoicing. So we can see from these words that wisdom is not passive. It's not something that's dropped into our head when we become an adult, which would be so lovely, wouldn't it? But actually, it's hard work. We have to study, to ask, to wrestle, to gain wisdom. But it is worth it. 
And I was thinking about this. I love the program, The Detectorists. <laughs> so I got my friend's metal detector. And it made me think, you know, when they're looking for treasure, they've got these on and they might spend the whole day and they're going like this. <laughs> going like this. And then the beep comes, doesn't it? And they're just so ecstatic and they're digging it up and they're looking at it and they're dusting it off. Then they're going to go and show their friends and then they're going to decide, what do you think it is? Is it a bit of a pipe? Is it a bit of this? We don't know. Let's look it up in some books. They're searching deeply for treasure. And this is the picture that we get when we think about looking for wisdom. If you want to have a little go with that, later, you can. I might let the kids have a go when they come back. Okay, so we've got that. And if we're truly wise, we're able to see that we can sometimes be very unwise. We can appear wise, but not actually be. For example, if you imagine a manager who's turning over a massive profit in a company, it might appear wise. What they're doing is working. Look, we're making loads of money. But if their workers aren't paid properly, then that is not wise. This person is not wise. They don't have wisdom. So we've got to be careful. And the Bible will tell us that we can convince ourselves that we're wise. Any of us can take some Bible verses and say, look, look, I'm fulfilling this, aren't I wise? But we need other people to kind of fill in and say, are you wise? What about this What about this angle? What about this angle? What about this angle? Are you? And then it says, verse 5, then you will understand and fear the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So we see here that it's God who gets to decide what's good and what's evil? True Hokmah respects God's perspective. And he holds in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose way of life is baneless. He holds success. And this holds again. Do you remember that word right back at the beginning where we said uh, store up? The one that you store up wisdom is the same word. It means from God's stores, he wants to give to our stores, that we will store up wisdom. James, of course, uh, the brother of Jesus, in his, um, in his letter, he writes, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. He is the one we need to be approaching to find true wisdom. It's not that we don't go other places as well, but we weigh it up with God's wisdom and say, is that wisdom? Does that really fit with the Bible? Does that really say with what God's saying here? Or am I being told something that ultimately is very foolish? And remember when we talk about success, because it talks about um, he holds success. Remember when we did, uh, we did uh, Psalm 1, we talked about success there, didn't we? It isn't necessarily financial success or an easy life. So if we do that, we're going to get confused. We're going to get jealous of those that are doing well. They don't seem to care about God or do anything. But successful, a tree prosperous, successful life is one that's in step with God. Sins forgiven, accepted. 
and that they're able to show love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, self-control, even when all around them is doing everything but that. Do you remember we talked about superpower of the Christian, even in the state of difficulty? For he guards the course of the just, and he protects the way of the faithful. Nothing there will be able to ever separate them from the love of God. And then it says, finally, verse 9, then you will be, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path for wisdom will enter your heart, and here it is, and the knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. I think we have to hold that, don't we? The knowledge will be pleasant to our souls. Let's pray. Yeah, Father God, how often we need your wisdom in our lives and yet convince ourselves that our ways are the best ways. How often we rush through life without pausing to seek, to answer, to chew over what is the best course of action here. And how often we assume an answer is right for every and any situation without first taking the time to seek your insight and perspective. And so, Father, in the quiet now, we ask once again for wisdom. In the situations we're facing in friendships, our family members, the challenges at work, the decisions to be made. Holy Spirit, draw to mind your word and help us store up your wisdom in our hearts and strive for understanding. Amen.